So before we start our official program with the Pandal, which we will discuss Bhagavad Gita in the morning and Chaitanya Charitamrita in the evening, I'm filling in the days with discussing different things, and yesterday we started to discuss the Lila of the killing of Denuka. Although I didn't intend to discuss the whole chapter, and I don't think that we have the time to do justice to it before the ninth, in light of the fact that this chapter gives some considerable attention to Baladev, Lord Krishna's elder brother, and although we didn't go into that at some length, it was mentioned yesterday. And having had the wonderful experience of Baldev's sending us some prashad from the Daoji Mandir some 20 kilometers away after the class. I thought it would be appropriate to continue the discussion until the official program begins here. This chapter is quite a long chapter. It's 40-some verses. We heard the first verse yesterday. And in that verse it was mentioned that the Pogandalila of Krishna had begun, and it was indicated therein that at this time Krishna became a cow herder. We discussed that at some length, Krishna's initiation into a herding the cows. Previously he had been initiated into herding the calves. Now he's become a full-time cow herder. And this chapter summarizes really the entirety of the Pogandalila, what kind of activities Krishna was involved in, and it crosses over into the Lila of Adolescence, Kishore Lila, with the killing of Denikasura and Krishna's returning to Vrindavan and exchanging glances of love in Bhuvarag with gopis and Sri Radhika. Bhuvarag means before actually formally meeting. The chapter that follows this is in the Bhagavatam is the chastisement of Kaliya. In Sanatana Goswami Prabhu's chronology, however, of the Bhagavatam, he places that lila before this one. So Krishna actually saw the gopis at that time, and as I indicated yesterday, he also gave them a preview of his expertise in dancing, doing what is sometimes called the rasa lila, rasa dance on the heads of Kaliya. So the difference in the arrangement of the chapters as spoken by Sukadev Goswami and that of Sanatana Goswami is one of, in the former, the case of the ecstasy of Sukadev and how it came out. Sanatana Goswami is explained in other, the latter, Sanatana's explanation, the actual chronology of events. So here, from Pagundalila, a summary of that, we cross into the Kishore Lila with the killing of Denikasur and Krishna's returning to Vrindavan to glance lovingly at the gopis and to receive lovingly their glances. 
the text two, tan madavo venum udirayan brito, go bear grinat beer sa yasho balanvita, pashun puras kritya pushavyama vishad, bihartukama kusama karam bonam. Sugriv Goswami says, Vihartukama kusama karam vanam. Desiring to enjoy playfully as a young lad. Tan Madhava Venamudirayan Brito. Madhava, Krishna, sounding his flute and Venamudirayan sounding his flute. Vrito, Gopayar, surrounded by his friends, Gopas, cowherds. Hūsvayasā Balanvita Pashun Puraskritya along with Balaram and Grinadibi Swayasha. They were performing Kirtan. All the coward boys, they're performing Kirtan. Ram Krishna Ram Krishna Krishna Ram Krishna Ram. They would chant their holy names. This Kirtan we hear from Nartantaku Golokar Premodhan Hori Namsan Kirtan. It is not only the means to perfection, but it is the ends as well. We find kirtan is most effective means for cleansing the heart. Cheto darpanam marjanam, Mahaprabhu has explained. Especially when we take that kirtan in a dynamic expression as instituted in the modern age by Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur thinking and finding the ways and means of spreading the glories of Ram and Krishna through the modern technology. He coined the phrase Brihat Murdanga. So that means the great Murdanga. With the Murdanga and Karto, Kol and Karto, we can sing and chant and it can go some distance. But he reasoned well that with the printing press we can take that kirtan in a dynamic way and play it much louder. So if we think of trying to engage the whole of the modern world in the glorification of Krishna, that will be a very consuming affair for the mind. And this is our objective, is to somehow or other conquer the mind. Bring Krishna before the mind, the mind before Krishna, have the darshan of Krishna, and it will be conquered. Stopping the mind, then the heart and soul can come out and live in the land of Krishna's cowherding discussed in this chapter. So, kirtan is the means, best means, and this is not relative only to Vadi Bhakti, but also in Ragnuga Bhakti. Kirtan takes precedence. Although smarnam, meditation, is in one sense the prominent limb of Raghunuga Bhakti. And Jiva Goswami has explained that out of deference to the age of Kali, in which the Lord himself, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, has emphasized Kirtan, Kirtan takes precedence over Smarnam, even for Ragmarg. So it's not that we will leave the Kirtan and then we will just do Smarnam. We find in Brihat Bhagavatamrita, Gopukumar went so far, all the way to Dwarka, and Narada Muni and Udhav, seeing that he was not really meant to find his ultimate resting place there in Dwarka, his destiny, his fate, his 
ultimate resting place was Golok. They sent him back to Gokul, Vrindavan, Bhoma Vrindavan, Vrindavan on earth, with a instruction as how to go from there to Golok. And what did they tell him? Performing Sankirtan of the names of the Lord that are most dear to you and meditating upon him in this way. This will be your means. So, although the Smarnam is there, Kirtan is also there. Kirtan of the names at this time, at that stage, a sense of the Lord in a particular way is awakened in the heart of a devotee. So he or she will sing particular names that are relative to the Lord's pastimes that one is most attracted to. And passing from even the stage of Surup City to Vastu City, these are all, as mentioned in this chapter, either eternal cowherd associates of Krishna or sadhakas arriving in that position. They're also performing kirtan. They're chanting Ram Krishna, Ram Krishna, Krishna Ram, Krishna Ram, and entering into the forest. And on the way out, they're also singing the same. So we should never underestimate the importance of kirtan, namsan kirtan. Jiva Goswami has also explained, of all types of kirtan, nam kirtan is the most effective. I met with one sahajya gentleman once in Mayapur and had a discussion with him. And I made the point to him that by virtue of nam, the holy name, all things are possible. He was making the argument that in your group, your Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and Bhakti Vedanta Sami Prabhupada, they are not giving Siddha Pranali how you can enter into Raj Bhakti. So I, in a simple way, I replied to him that by Nam everything is possible. He said, yes, they're chanting, but I said by Kirtan. He said, Kirtan, yes, but it has to be Lila Kirtan. So I replied this way, citing Jiva Goswami, that of all types of kirtan, Lila kirtan included, he has said, Nam kirtan is most powerful because inside the Nam is the Guna, the Rupa, the Lila of the Lord. They'll unfold naturally in the heart through Nam and kirtan. And every name, how is name separate from Lila? <laughs> Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari, Gopi Janavala Giri if we sing these names, how can we not be transported, Giri Vadadhari, to Gordan Lila, Gupijana Vallava, Dashodanandana, Jamunatira Vanachari? When we sing these names, then the Lila is fully present there for one who chants with attention and purity of heart. And in the course then of Kirtan, he will also do Smarnam. Combining these together, especially the dear names of the Lord, dear to one's heart, having his heart or her heart having developed in a particular way, this is the supreme means and the supreme end. So here we find one of many evidences of kirtan in the uh, even amongst the parikaras of the Lord. So surrounded by the gopas, along with Balaram. They're singing their glories, the glories of Krishna and Ram. And the name Madhava is mentioned. Tan Madhava Venam Udirayanvito. Madhava is a very nice name of Krishna. In Bhagavad Gita, 
in the first chapter, Krishna is mentioned for the first time by this name, Madhava. First mention of Krishna himself, Madhava. Madhava is a very nice name. It means inside the name of Madhava, what do we find? Radha. Because there's no meaning of the husband of the goddess of fortune without the goddess of fortune. Sometimes people question how the Gaudiya Vaishnavas can find Brajandanandan Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita because it is Dorkadish Krishna who is speaking Bhagavad Gita. But from the very first chapter, this name is introduced, Madhava. And Madhava means, of course, it may mean, you can say, well, it means Dwarkadish, and he has Rukmini and Satyavama. They are the goddesses of fortune. No doubt that's true, but Madhava also means springtime. And so when Krishna is mentioned as Madhava, it means the lord of the springtime. And springtime takes our mind naturally to the forest, not to the city of Dwarka and big armies and so many things. Takes us naturally to the forest and the banks of the Jumuna, blossoming of the flowers and fruits. All of this springtime atmosphere. Of course, this is, this Leela is taking place in Kartik, but the nature of the seasons in Krishna Leela are such that they are all wonderful, like spring whenever Madhava is present, all coming to life and all the creepers, flowers, trees offering themselves, their fruits and all, to the Lord. So anyway, Madhava, husband of goddess of fortune. So wherever there's Madhava, there's Radha. So in this chapter, Radha and gopis are coming in, in a prominent way, so an appropriate name is used here by Sukadeva Goswami as Krishna crosses from Lila to Kishore Lila with the killing of Denukasura. Madhava means honey, madhu, so sweetness. That is our sampradaya. It is the madurja sampradaya. We could say it is Gaudiya sampradaya, but Gaudiya also means gora. Gora means sweetness. So it is the sweet sampradaya. Madhurja means not only the conjugal love, in particular, it means that Krishna's Kaviras Goswami has said, all of the different relationships in love with Krishna are perfect. At the same time, he said, if we look at it objectively, this conjugal of Sringaras is best amongst the best, and therefore I call it Madhurya, sweet. He's given the name that we most commonly refer to this relationship between Radha and Krishna by Madhurya Rasa. It's technically, according to the aestheticians, in the science of aesthetics, it is called Sringaras. But we call it following Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami Madhurya. But besides the conjugal Sringaras being Madhurya, the whole idea of Vrindavan is Madhurya. It means, as opposed to Aishwarya, Krishna, human like, sweet, charming. Siddhamarsh uh, once told me that in Vrindavan, everything is touched by the conjugal mellow. Just like, he said, in the material world, everything is touched by the sexual attraction. Everything is moving by that impetus. 
So in Vrindavan, everything is moving about this love life of the hero and the heroine. Persons, devotees, inanimate so-called things are involved directly or indirectly, all in facilitating this. So all of Vrindavan is moving around this. This name is invoked. As Krishna is described, along with Balaram and cowherds, the attendant of the flute entering into the Kusamakarambanam, the beautiful forest of Vrindavan, filled with Kusamakaram flowers and growth for nourishing oh, the Pashu, the cows, the animals that they're herding. Sukadev Goswami continues, Tanmanju Goshali Mrigat Vijakulam Mahan Manat Prakya Paya Saraswata Butena Jushtam Shatapatra Gandina Nirikshirantum Bhagavan Manodade. So, so many nice features of that forest are mentioned in this verse. It says that the Lord looked over that forest. This is, you have to understand, this is the first time in the Poganda Leela that the forest inhabitants have the opportunity to have the darshan of the Lord. As he develops, matures, then his sweetness is also developing. It is said that before Krishna entered the forest at all, he enters first, of course, to some extent in the Kumar Leela with the calves. Now he's going to go, he has permission to go deep into the forest. He doesn't have any curfew, any, any boundaries that he has to stay within. So a forest is very eager to receive him. Before he went, their relationship was based on Krishna's affection for the forest inhabitants and their sending off a wonderful transcendental fragrance that connected the two. Now he's actually entering the forest. And here it's described in this verse that all the different aspects of the forest, but the charming sounds of the birds, bees, animals, they're all making beautiful noises to please the ears of Krishna, his sense of hearing. All of the five senses of Krishna are being tendered to by different uh, forest inhabitants. There was a lake, here it is described, whose clear water resembled the vines of great souls, and the breeze carrying the fragrance of hundred-petaled lotuses. Vishwana Chakritaka has mentioned that the breeze acted in such a way as to activate Krishna's sense of taste and carrying an aroma to gratify his sense of smell, and the forest itself showed itself in its best form of love to satisfy the eyes of the Lord. And the water from the lake picked up by the breeze also brought a cooling moisture to the sense of the Lord's touch. In this way, the forest responded to gratify all of the senses of the Lord at the same time. Just like in love of God, all of one's senses go mad to serve Krishna. It's uh, one is torn. It is like smelling the aroma of the Lord all of the senses turn into sense of smelling, hearing his sound. All of the senses turn into an ear to hear. 
So here all of these aspects of the forest are striving to serve the different senses of the Lord competing with one another in a kind of madness from their side. The primeval lord saw that the stately trees, Vanaspatim, lords of the forest, with their beautiful reddish buds and their heavy burden of fruits and flowers, were bending down to touch his feet with the tips of their branches. Thus he smiled gently and addressed his elder brother. So here begins Bhagavan Sri Krishna's glorification of Baladev in a happy and kind of joking spirit. Balaram, of course, accepts Krishna as his Lord. But here Krishna wants to say that Balaram is the Supreme Personality of God, which is certainly true. Sri Bhagavan Uvacha, Aho Ami Deva Varamararchitam Padam Bhujam Te Sumanat Falarhanam Namanti Upadaya Shikhabhir Atmanas Tamo Pohatyae Tarujan Majatkritam the Supreme Lord Bhagwan, Lord of Shi, said, O greatest of lords, speaking to Baladev, just see how these trees are bowing their heads at your lotus feet, which are worshipable by the immortal demigods. The trees are offering you their fruits and flowers to eradicate the dark ignorance that has caused their birth as trees. Well, the trees of Vrindavan are, of course, very famous and glorified at different places in different ways throughout the Srimad Bhagavatam. Here Krishna has described them in this verse and further in the next verse, along with the bees buzzing around Baladev on both sides of him as great sages. The trees are lamenting that they don't have eyes. They know he's there and they're bending down with their long arms and their buds to try to touch his feet and lamenting that they don't have eyes in his birth to see him, but they can feel him and sense him. And then the bees, Krishna says, they must be great sages and most evolved devotees of yours, for they are worshipping you by following you along the path and chanting your glories, which are themselves a holy place for the entire world. Though you have disguised yourself within this forest, O sinless one, they refuse to abandon you, their worshipable Lord. Uyur Krishna describes Baladev as the supreme Godhead who's disguised himself, hidden himself in the forests, as if he's just a cowherder. O sinless one, Anagha, he describes Balaram, who has no sin, who by hearing about one will be freed from all sins. He says that you are a place of pilgrimage, yourself. So he may be saying, Balaram, you are the very means of crossing over material existence. He describes him as Tirtha, Akilaloka Tirtham. In all the world you are a place of pilgrimage, a means for crossing over. And these bees are chanting Gayanta, again, Kirtan, about you. They are great sages in the fullest sense because they keep a vow of silence by way of not speaking other than 
in glorification of the Supreme Lord. Then the birds, worshipable one, the peacocks are dancing before you out of joy. The does are pleasing you with affectionate glances, just as, he says, the gopis do. And these cuckoos are honoring you with Vedic prayers. All these residents of the forest are most fortunate in their behavior towards you. Certainly befits great souls receiving another great soul at home. It's like they're hosting him. Krishna is saying, the forest is hosting you. You are the main object of attraction and inviting you to remain. You've come into the forest. I don't want you to ever leave. And all the inhabitants have come to make a, a fitting arrangement to receive you. The earth has now become most fortunate because you have touched her grass and bushes with your feet and her trees and creepers with your fingernails and because you have graced her rivers, mountains, birds, and animals with your merciful glances. But above all, you have embraced the gopis between your arms, a favor hankered after by the goddesses of fortune. As Nidhiya Goswami has explained, this gopi in this verse as a creeper. It's an indication of what's to come. Gopi, like the gopi vine, some type of vine. Sukhavacha, Shisukhavacha, Evam Brindavanam Srimat Krishna Pita Manapashum, Rime Sancharayan Adre Sarid Rodhasu Sanuga. Sukhdev Goswami said thus, expressing his satisfaction with the beautiful forest of Brindavan and its inhabitants, Lord Krishna enjoyed tending the cows and other animals with his friends on the banks of the Jamuna below Govardhan. So he's giving a little bit of the location as they move towards the Talvan. This verse summarizes the previous verses. Then now is a summary of just the basic Pogandalila, the kind of things Krishna Balaram did. Sometimes the honeybees in Vrindavan became so mad with ecstasy that they closed their eyes and began to sing. Lord Krishna, moving along the forest path with his cowherd friends, and Baladev would then respond to the bees by imitating their singing, while his friends sang about his pastimes. Sometimes Lord Krishna would imitate the chattering of a parrot, sometimes with a sweet voice the call of a cuckoo, and sometimes the cooing of swans. Sometimes he vigorously imitated the dancing of a peacock, making his coward boyfriends laugh. Sometimes with a voice as deep as the rumbling of clouds, he would call out with great affection the names of the animals who had wandered far from the herd, thus enchanting the cows and the coward boys. This was his joking fun-loving spirit. Sometimes he would cry out in imitation of birds such as chakoras, kronchas, chakravas, bardvajas, and peacocks, and sometimes he would run away with smaller animals in mock fear of lions and tigers. Mock fear because there is no fear in Vrindavan from any wild animals, even those that would normally be inimical to one another are friendly to one another. We know Mahaprabhu brought that Vrindavan experience about in the Jarikanda chanting Krishna Nam. When his elder brother, fatigued from playing, would lie down with his head upon the lap of a coward boy, Lord Krishna would help him relax by massaging his feet and offering other services. Well, this is Krishna acting in relation to Baladev as disciple of Balaram. As I mentioned the other day, this is one of the sentiments that 
Balaram experiences in relation to Krishna as his guru. Nrityato gayatakvapi valgato yudyato mita vihita hasto gopalan hasantu prashasam satu. Sometimes the coward boys danced, sang, moved about, and playfully fought with each other. Krishna and Balaram standing nearby, hand in hand, would glorify their friends' activities and laugh. Sometimes Krishna grew tired from fighting and lay down at the base of a tree, resting upon a bed made of soft twigs and buds and using the lap of a coward friend as his pillow. At this time, Krishna would expand himself into many forms and lie on the laps of all of his friends. Each would think that he was serving as the pillow. Some of the coward boys, who were all great souls, would then massage his lotus feet and others, qualified by being free from all sin, would expertly fan the Supreme Lord. So, as I mentioned, there are different kinds of associates of the Lord in the Leela, some who are eternally perfect, some who have arrived there by sadhana, sadhana siddhas. Madhur King, Sugriva Goswami continues, other boys would sing enchanting songs appropriate to the occasion and their hearts would melt out of love for the Lord. In this way, this is the concluding verse now of this Pogandalila description. The Supreme Lord, whose soft lotus feet are personally attended by the goddess of fortune, concealed his transcendental opulences by his internal potency and acted like the son of a cowherd. Yet, even while enjoying, like a village boy in the company of other village residents, he often exhibited feats that only God could perform. And now we come to such a feat, the killing of Denipasura. Sridam nama gopalo rama keshavayo shaka subalas doka krishnadya gopa premnedam abhruvan. Sridam, subal, stoka krishna. These are three of Krishna's eternal friendly associates. The mentioned in this verse, Sukadeva Goswami says, once, so this is the changeover now, moving in the direction of this adolescence of Krishna, his Kishore Leela. Sridam Namagopalo Rama Keshavayo Some of the cowherd boys, Sridam, who's a very close friend of Krishna, who is the principal leader of the pure Sakiras, who's have no interest in uh, Krishna's conjugal pastimes. He knows everything about them, Sridam, but he's really not interested in them. He's the leader of this pure Sakyaras. And Subala is the leader of the Prinarmasakas, who love Krishna as friends, but are very interested in his conjugal affairs. He intimately attends Radha and Krishna and involves his servants in sending messages back and forth and so forth. Stoka Krishna, short fellow, Gopa Premnedam Abhruvan. Significant here, these Gopas spoke out of love. Premnedam Abhruvan. The following words. They're going to say, Rama, Rama Mahabaho, Krishna Dushta Nibarhana, Ito Bidure Sumahad, Vanam Talali Sankulam. O Ram, Ram, mighty armed one. O Krishna, destroyer of the miscreants. Not far from here is a very great forest filled with rows of palm trees, the tal fruit. 
significant in the previous verse, the word premnedam means that all that they're going to speak now, which might appear to be of self-interest, we want to go to the forest, we want to taste these fruits for ourselves, we're hungry, we've been out playing for a long time today. All of this arises out of prem, out of love. If the cowherds are hungry, they know that Krishna wants to eat. Or they know by satisfying our hunger, Krishna will be pleased. Therefore, we'll do that. We'll see in this Leela that actually they don't even eat the tall fruits. They'll go to the forest. And first here, they're just, Ram, Ram. Oh, Ram, Ram. Mahabaho. Who are you? Ram. Baldev. You think that you are such a big fellow and you have long and powerful arms, Mahabaho, and you should lead us to this Tal forest. These trees are growing and the fruits are so ripe that we can smell them everywhere. It's a public place, but no one can go there because there are demons there. And you, you have big powerful arms and you let everybody believe you're the elder brother of Krishna. But what have you ever done? What have you ever done to demonstrate that you're powerful? Why don't you go and kill this demon Denakasur so that we can have all those fruits? In this way, they're pinching the ego of Balaram. And he says, you can go, you are all capable fighters. This uh, fighting, uh, secondary rasa, is very much prominent in Sakya rasa, wrestling and fighting with one another. So... They're pinching his ego. Why don't you go there and show us your prowess? He says, well, we are all capable. We have seen your big fighters. And then they say, no, the two of you are like royalty princes. You are leaders. Show us that you are leaders, especially you, Balaram. Go there with your powerful arms and kill this Dinakasur so that we can free up all these fruits. And, of course, Balaram is affected by that see the nature of their love in Prem, and everything turns around. Everything is turned upside down. They are the servants of Ram, and they are criticizing him in jest. When everyone is situated fully on the platform of service, then it can manifest in so many wonderful ways, such that it doesn't look like service at all. This is the idea of Vrindavan. So they're egging him on, and he, of course, will go. And from that, he gets so much impetus that by the time he arrives there, he's thinking, they actually think my arms are long, but they're not strong. They're criticizing me, calling me Mahabaho in jest. I'll show them. This way he's working up uh, himself for defeating Denukasura. Oram Ram, Mayam Dwan, O Krishna, destroyer of the miscreants. Not far from here is a very great forest filled with rows of palm trees. So somewhere between, as we heard the description in a couple of verses back, between Govardhan and Mathura, this Talvan. Then Falani Tatraburini Patanti Patitanicha Santikintva Varudhani Dhenukha Duratmana in that Talban forest, many fruits are falling from the trees. I mean, they're so ripe, if you just shake the tree, they'll fall. And many are already lying on the ground. But all the fruits are being guarded by the Duratma Denuka.
means who's duratma, one who is far from himself. When we indulge only in sense gratification, then we go far away from ourself. Our self becomes obscured by that. By exploitation, the self is lost. And by sacrifice, the self is nourished. So in the material world, we are moving in just the opposite way from nourishing ourselves. We have to learn this lesson and look for opportunities to nourish our soul, our self, our atma, to come close to ourself and find there ourself to be part and parcel of Krishna and engage in the loving service of Krishna. And how will you do that? By sacrifice. Sridhar used to say, by putting gold in the fire, what happens to the gold? just becomes purer. So put the self in the fire of sacrifice and it will be nourished. We have to look for opportunities in our everyday life for sacrifice. Otherwise, when we take the opportunity for enjoying sense gratification, then we become a duratma and dinuka is such person. And what is the fullest, the highest expression of sense gratification? That is the sexual act. And dinuka means Coitus, a particular type of sexual union, is indicated by the word denuka. So, if you can defeat this, then all other types of sensual pursuit will be easily conquered. This is the principle. In this act, all the senses are gratified at the same time. Therefore, sometimes calm, which basically means material desire, is used in reference to the sexual act, most prominent of all desires. So we have to cross over this. And here Krishna is crossing from his Pogonda Lila into the Kishore Lila, and in between is the killing of Denuka. So again from Bhagavatam, if we look closely, we understand. This Rasa Lila and the conjugal love between Krishna and Gopis, it has nothing to do with the mundane sexual affairs. First we have to kill Denuka Sura, then we can understand. What is Rasalila? O Krishna, O Ram, O Ram, O Krishna, Dinuka is a most powerful demon and has assumed the form of an ass. Actually, the sexual act makes us like an ass. He is surrounded by many friends who have assumed a similar shape and are just as powerful as he. So there are many varieties of this. People are pursuing it unlimitedly in the world. The demon Dinuka has eaten men alive. And it means that this eats men alive. Jiva Goswami said that Denukasura is that, that fellow who was the murderer of young girls, offender of young girls. Well, this is the same idea. And men too. It's a man-eater. And uh, the spoiler of young ladies. And therefore, all people and animals are terrified of going into the Tal forest. O killer of the enemy, even the birds are afraid to fly there. In the Tal forest are sweet-smelling fruits no one has ever tasted. Indeed, even now we can smell the fragrance of the Tal fruits spreading about. If one does not give up the sex desire, then there are some things he can never taste, never know. It's like even people sometimes when you speak to them about vegetarianism, it used to be anyway that with such a foreign idea, they would say, well, what do you eat? But actually when you stop eating the meat, then so many taste buds that are not active become activated and so many nice subtle tastes you can experience. So all these sweet smelling fruits never tasted before. They're never tasted by one who's not willing to make this kind of 
sacrifice we're talking about, giving up sense gratification. And how easy way to do this, you see, this has to be done to cross over to the other side in such a charming way to pursue that, hearing about the transcendental leelas of the Lord. All these things are hidden in there. They're not just stories. And if we take and understand, imbibe, embrace the philosophical message, the ramifications of that, then we can, while I'm speaking of it a little bit symbolically, it doesn't mean that the leela doesn't exist, but that philosophical message, that tattva, is there inside of the leela, the bhava. And if you can get the tattva, then you can experience the bhava and enter into that world. Oh, Krishna, please get those fruits for us. Our minds are so attracted by their aroma. Again, this is out of prema. Dear Balaram, our desire to have those fruits is very great. If you think it's a good idea, let's go to that tall forest. And they went. Hearing the words of their companions, Krishna and Balaram laughed, and desiring to please them, set off for the Talavan, surrounded by their cowherd friends. Balaram entered the Tal forest first. Then, with his two arms, he began forcefully shaking the trees with the power of a maddened elephant, causing the Tal fruits to fall on the ground. And he was so absorbed in doing so that... Um, he didn't even notice the Denikasur coming. He was maddened by wanting to show those boys how strong he was. He grabbed the tree and <laughs> shook it and all the fruits fell out. Hearing the sound of the falling fruits, the ass, Denikasur, ran forward to attack, making the earth and trees tremble. The powerful demon rushed up to Lord Baladev and sharply struck the Lord's chest with the hooves of his hind legs. Then Denuka began to run about, braying loudly. Moving again toward Balaram, O King, the furious ass situated himself with his back toward the Lord, then screaming in rage, the demon hurled his two hind legs at him. Balaram seized Denukasura by his hooves, whirled him about with one hand, and threw him into the top of a palm tree. The violent wheeling motion killed the demon. Balaram threw the dead body of Denukasura into the tallest palm tree in the forest, and when the dead demon landed in the treetop, the tree began shaking, the great palm tree causing a tree by its side. Also the shake broke under the weight of the demon. The neighboring tree caused yet another tree to shake, and this one struck yet another tree, which also began shaking. In this way, many trees in the forest shook and broke like in a domino effect, they started falling. Because of Balaram's pastime of throwing the body of the ass demon into the top of the tallest palm tree, all of the trees began shaking and striking against one another, as if blown about by powerful winds. My dear Parikshit, Lord Balaram killed Denikasur. That Lord Balaram killed Denikasur is not such a wonderful thing, considering that he is the unlimited personality of Godhead, the controller of the entire universe, indeed the entire cosmos, rests upon him just as a woven cloth rests upon its own horizontal and vertical threads. So, Sukadev here waxes a little philosophical in the narrative of the Leela, glorifying the, the tattva of Baldev. We hear in Chaitanya Charitamrita about the position of Nityananda Ram, all the worlds are emanating from him. He manifests the spiritual world, he manifests the material world, he manifests the spiritual world inside the material world. 
all the dhams, this is being described. He is the personification of the Sandini Shakti, as Radha represents Ladini Shakti, Vasudev the Sambit Shakti, Baldev Sandini Shakti. So it means all the existence, all of the, the ground that we stand on. So Sukadeva has described him in this way. The cosmos rests upon him, just as a woven cloth rests upon its own horizontal and vertical thread. So that he did this is not very difficult. So it, although it seems a very difficult thing to conquer over this lust, if we take shelter of Baldev, he's very, very powerful. Nityananda Prabhu. That's why the position of Nityananda Prabhu is described like this in Chaitanya Charitamrita, that we may have a sense, oh, we will do well to take shelter of him. Very difficult things will become very easy if we have that kind of power on our side. Tata Krishnam Charamam Cha. The other asses and close friends of Dinakasur were enraged upon seeing his death, and thus they all immediately ran to attack Krishna and Balaram, O king, as the demons attacked Krishna and Ram, easily seized them one after another by their hind legs and threw them into the tops of the palm trees. The earth then appeared beautifully covered with heaps of fruits and with the dead bodies of the demons, which were entangled in the broken tops of the palm trees. Indeed, the earth shone like the sky decorated with clouds, like the red clouds in the sunset of the demon's blood, like the red sky in the dark clouds, something like that, a beautiful panoramic scene. This is the description of Braj, even when the demons are killed in some horrible thing, blood is being spilled everywhere, and Putin's body, actual form comes out, and it's an ugly witch, 12 miles long, they saw up her body, <laughs> burn it, and a wonderful fragrance comes, <laughs> having been uh, killed by Lord Krishna sucking out her life air from her breast. In other words, the idea is that in Vrindavan, whatever happens turns into something beautiful. Even an ugly thing like the killing of these fellows turns into something very wonderful and beautiful. So the killing of a demons in our south, in Arthas, as gory of a event as that is, it turns into something very beautiful if we do it in the context of the cultivation of love for Krishna. We want artha praviti, not just anartha vritti. We shall rid ourselves of, of an artist in this way by reading these kind of stories of Krishna and discussing them. Hearing of this magnificent feat of the two brothers, the demigods, and other elevated living beings rained down flowers and offered music and prayers in glorification. People now felt free to return to the forest where Denika had been killed. And without fear, they ate the fruits of the palm trees. Also, the cows could now graze freely upon the grass there. So the other people came, but the cowherds, they never ate the fruits because they thought they become impure, being mixed with the blood of Denikasura. So we can see they never really were interested in eating the fruits. It's not that they were just motivated by hunger, but out of prem, out of love, they wanted to bring about this event and see the glories of Balaram manifest. And the Denuka killed as both Krishna and Balaram passed into adolescence. Then, lotus-eyed Lord Krishna, whose glories are most pious to hear and chant, returned home to Braja with his elder brother, Balaram. Along the way, the coward boys, his faithful followers, chanted his glories. 
Lord Krishna's hair, powdered with the dust raised by the cows, was decorated with a peacock feather and forest flowers. Lord Krishna glanced charmingly and smiled beautifully, playing upon his flute while his companions chanted his glories. The gopis all together came forward to meet him. There their eyes, very eager to see him. With their bee-like eyes, the women of Vrindavan drank the honey of the beautiful face of Lord Mukunda, and thus they gave up the distress they had felt during the day because of separation from him. The young Vrindavan ladies cast sidelong glances at the Lord, glances filled with bashfulness, laughter, and submission, and Sri Krishna completely accepted these glances as a proper offering of respect and entered the cowherd village. So now Krishna's crossed into the Kishore Lila. Any question? When you talk about Sri Sarakandaswami's chronology in the book, is that? It's his commentary on the Bhagavatam called Vaishnav Toshani. Why is he using that his chronology differs from the Well, because he draws evidence from other Puranas, principally Harivamsa Purana, Padma Purana, and gives the chronology accordingly. And he says, Sugadev spoke out of ecstasy that moved him at the moment. And so there are a few chapters out of chronological order. This is, of course, also the position of Sanatana Goswami, Rupa Goswami. We learn more about Bhagavatam from them than Vyas himself or Sukadev. Because what Sukadev is talking about, Rupa Sanatana are involved in. <laughs> so they know it. Then they find references from the Puranas to straighten out the chronology. Yeah. What is Shukadev's position then? He's not involved in this diagram? Well, actually, it depends. There's the story in one book, I forget, of Sukadev being the parrot of Radha. So in that sense, you can say he's involved. But otherwise, Sukadev Goswami is speaking the Bhagavatam from a, a neutral point of view, not from the point of view of his own experience, but just like Rupa Goswami wrote Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he spoke from a neutral point of view. Therefore, he only mentioned Madhuri Ras a little bit. In Ujvalnil Mani, then, he spoke according to his own view entirely. Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he's giving an overview. So Sukadeva is speaking with some kind of sobriety, and many people are there. Otherwise, uh, I don't know where that story is recorded somewhere. Sukadeva is... Uh, Parrot of Radha. You were saying that Nam Kirtan is the highest form of Kirtan. In that song by Narakam Das Tankanantam Kirtan, that has the names of the Lord's associates also. So is that also Nam Kirtan? Hmm. Yeah. Have you chant the names of the devotees, you mean? Shrub Sanatan. That will be more pleasing to Krishna. <laughs> you chant the names of his dear devotees. There are many. Nam Kirtan means so many names. Generally, the Namsankirtan is portrayed as being the basic entry-level Namsankirtan. And that's, there's some truth to that, but it can be taken all the way to the other side as well. We hear Ram, Ram, Krishna, 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 Ram, Ram, Krishna. They're chanting. What is their position? We could hear that kirtan, enter that kirtan. We'd be very fortunate. All right, so we stop there. Pandurasimabhavatam gilei.